Hello and welcome to another episode of the League One Lowdown, the nation's only podcast dedicated to the third tier, where we discuss all things in League One, the big talking points, big news, hottest topics and big opinions, you name it, we cover it. If you're a new listener, I am your host, Matt Osborne, who are regular for the podcast and the League One Lowdown, you already know that. As always, we have two regulars, Joseph Trony and Alex Green, who are good talking and expert analysis, well, analysis, anyway, gentlemen, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, fantastic, Jim. Alex, how are you, mate? Um, yeah, I'm all right. I was just a little bit bored after the Bristol Rovers nil Wickham nil game on the weekend. Well, we'll get to that in uh, later on in the podcast. We tried bringing big name pundits, I can assure you, but they aren't answering our calls, so we are stuck with uh, you two, uh, unfortunately. Now, all jokes aside, let's begin this episode by reviewing the games um, that we attended. Um, let's start with. Oxford, who were the winners out of the uh, three sides that played. Uh, they, Our resident supporter, Joe, um, was in attendance as Oxford beat Peterborough 1-0 at the Kassam, thanks to a Cameron Brannigan goal uh, that beat uh, the Posh on Saturday. Um, Joe, big question is, did Oxford deserve the win or not? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We, we, we were by far the better side, especially in the first half, we were by far the better side. And... Um, you know, I think we're seeing something come together for Oxford. Obviously, it's been it's been a, a sort of topsy turvy summer, really, where you know for long periods there's been frustration that we couldn't get the players in early enough. But you know, it looks as if something's coming together now with some some good additions, and you know, we look relatively strong. And you know, I think um, you know from a Peterborough's perspective, they sort of grew into it a little bit in the second half. But the damage was sort of already done in the first half. We got that goal through um, through Brannigan. And uh, and we managed to get the uh, get the three points, which we did definitely deserve. Like it was it was a great performance and a great win. And obviously, um, there's a little bit of deja vu because I've just come back um, last night from Oxford beating Peter a one 0 in the cup with Cameron Brannigan scoring. So um, we managed to, to back it up last night as well in the cup. But yeah, I mean, definitely a good result of the weekend. Um, you know, we sit comfortably now. I think seventh place, four points from our first two games. It's been a relatively solid start. You obviously made the point about how sort of two games into last season it looked a disaster for Oxford it was it was an absolute mess a shambles on the pitch complete contrast 12 months on um, four points from six games to be exact obviously with the draw to Sunderland last weekend do you maybe think um, that you should have had maximum points instead of four if it wasn't for a controversial refereeing decision at Sunderland that that uh, you know what it sounds like did cost you a win at the mm. stage of like, do you think maybe that's being a bit too picky um, in the situation, or do you think maybe that's a fair reflection? Well, yeah, I mean, we should have we should have won at Sunderland definitely, and it was you know, I don't know, like different people give different opinions on that penalty decision. I don't think it was a penalty really. It's just a difficult one to call, but yeah, I mean, we in in the three games we have played in League and Cup, we still we had to concede a goal from open play. Um, we look strong defensively. Um, Rob Dickey is just playing out of his skin in centre back. He's been one of the, you know, I think I think honestly think he's going to be one of the standout players this season in League One. Um, I know it's an early early sort of call that, but honestly, the first three games have just been absolutely unbelievable. And um, and yeah, we probably should have won the first two games, but we're we're looking good, you know. And again, we've made a solid start. Um, we're not playing catch up like we were last season, um, and that's all we can ask for, really. You know, we. It, it, when you looked in, you know, late on in the preseason, and when you know we're still thin on the ground, we haven't made many signings. You're fearing that we could fall into a same the same situation as last season. But you know, two point, uh, two games, four points, 
um, and two very good performances in the league. And, um, you know, on to the next one, play obviously top of the table Blackpool on Saturday, which should be a good game. But um, I'm, I'm very happy with the start we've made. The next game we move on to is one I don't really want to talk about, but we have to, given obviously the two sides that we're going to talk about, the two sides that uh, we support, well, two of the podcasters anyway. It had the build-ups, a bit of hype, the banter and the excitement. But in terms of excitement, it was non-existent on the pitch as Bristol Rovers played out a dull nil-nil draw at the Mem on Saturday against Wickham Wanderers. Alex, let's go to you first. How would you assess the game on Saturday? Well, if there was a game anyway. Well, the, the first word that springs to mind is boring. It was honestly one of the worst games of football I think I can remember watching for quite a while. Um, but I say both sides had about one good chance in the whole game, which probably both should have been scored with um, Adab- was Adebayo hitting Adab- the post for you. Yeah, that's the one. And then um, Jack Grimmer having a golden chance to win it right at the death for us. But he just fluffed his shot a little bit and it was cleared off the line. But it was honestly just a pretty dull game. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too disheartened with the result. I think not been not conceding a goal in the league yet is um is that's pretty good going so far. It um gives us solid foundations to build on. Um, similar to what Joe was saying about Rob Dickey, Anthony Stewart's had a fantastic start to the season. He's he's um is really 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 solid against Bristol Rovers and building on from his um great performance against Bolton in the opening week. I think I I think we're going to expect them a big things from him this season. It'll be interesting to see if he holds down his place um ahead of Cedo Jumbatim and Jumbatim's fit again. And in terms of who else impressed me for Wickham, I thought Patterson played okay. Uh, yeah, it's it just it's just a pretty dull performance to be honest. From from just from not just Wickham from Rovers as well. Just it was not it's just not really much in the game. Few clear cut chances. And I'm, as we were speaking a little bit before we started recording, I think Wickham probably will be the happier out of the two with a point. The away side keeping a clean sheet, not conceding the goal in the league. I think that's just. Um, all bodes back to be some good sort of things we can build on for the, the rest of the season. Is that the, the the majority feeling amongst the fan base after these two games? You know, you haven't conceded in these first two games, four points. Um, obviously, I think you probably would have settled for that before a ball was kicked, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was, the expectation for the season was raised when, when we made um, these nine signings or whatever it was. Um, so close to the season start, people are thinking, "Well, we've actually got quite quite a decent side now. It's be good to push um, away from a relegation battle, potentially get into the top half." And four points from two games is certainly form, which will take which will take keep you away from a relegation battle. That's for sure. We've got um, it's another pretty tough game on Saturday against um, Milton Keynes, but I sort of half fancy our chances in that. To be honest, I think we're going to be good at home this year. And I, I think we really should be steering away from completely away from the relegation battle. Well, yeah, the thoughts obviously from the Rovers' perspective, I think it was um, a really poor performance. The lineup before the game told the story. Um, we went at home. No disrespect to Wickham, uh, a team who we really should be beating and and, and attacking. Um, we played a narrow system which um, did not suit us. There was a real flat feeling. During the game at halftime and at the end of the game, I think nobody can feel as a Rovers fan that that was a good performance. There was no end product, there was no quality. Um, it looked like Wickham were very intent on settling sort of halfway through the, the game, which for me, um, we really should have seized an advantage on um, to try and attack them. Um, it's disappointing, no goals in two games. Obviously, last night we did beat Cheltenham. 
three 0 in the League Cup, but I don't want to to look to look at that because Saturday was was a performance that's going to stick in my mind for the fact that I think it could really come back to haunt us in the sense that we didn't go for it, we didn't attack, and I was and I felt if we did really go for it, we would have won on Saturday. But are the fans still behind Coughlin, Matt? But I have interest. Sorry to interrupt you, but are the fans still behind Coughlin because it I seemed think, like an uninspiring appointment at the time, really. I think you know it's it's too early to say. I think. The one thing I think the fans are worried about is the style of play. Um, I, I made, I've been a big person that said on the podcast, look, if he can change the way we play, you know, he's made these signings. Um, we're, we're missing um, a real creative spark through the middle and the winger. Um, if he doesn't get that through the door um, on the set by the 2nd of September, I think we're in um, a worse position. It doesn't really look like he's improved the squad. Um, the tactics and the style these two games has been similar to what we played last year uh, and we were promised change. I don't want to sound too pessimistic to start with, um, but I still think they are behind him. It's just, um, you know, that question, I think I'll probably have, I'll be able to give you a better answer within sort of um, a month to the two months' time. Um, let's move away from Rovers and let's talk about Bolton, of course. Their concerns and their problems are... Well documented, but last weekend the Trotters uh, faced Coventry at the uh, University of Bolton Stadium, their first home game since April, with no senior players playing due to them going on strike over wages. They got a very credible nil-nil draw uh, with a team that had an average age of 19, and they very much uh, won a lot of fans uh, in the footballing world. Alex, for a team that young to play that well and put a smile on the fans' faces. Um, that's pretty good going, isn't it? And it's certainly um, a, a thing to, to, to know, isn't it, given Bolton's problem? Yes, um, it's, it's, it's a good. Um, it's good in the circumstances for Bolton. Definitely, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's. Um, I think that game might have just been by more commentary not being able to break them down rather than Bolton being a tactical like masterclass with Phil Parkinson and the films. I'm looking at the stats now. Commentary having 67 percent possession and 24 shots are just says the story to me that their finishing might have been quite poor rather than Bolton not letting them have chances. Then again, when you've got so many young players making what could be their first or second ever game in senior football, you can't really complain too much of that, I suppose. And for Phil Parkinson, is he's, he's doing he's doing quite sort he's, he's doing probably as well as he can in the circumstances of Bolton. Uh, in the opening weekend against us, like there it was nil nil at half time. Then it did. Fall, Cross through my mind, what if we don't break the down? What if there's nil nil? It's a massive opportunity missed. And I'm sure Coventry fans will be feeling the same, not being able to pick up three points there. Because realistically, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the youngsters, but every single team in this league, maybe Bar and Berry, if they actually get side together or whatnot, should be beating this um, young Bolton side, wherever they play them. There's not really. Um, much excuse not to. It's the fact we've like every other side's got um like twenty three professionals, um full pre season. They're all match fit and whatnot, and they've all played experience with senior football. And Bolton have got their youngest ever team, a lot of academy players, and it's just so it's it's all new for them. So in that sense, they've they've done really well to get a point. However, I think it's probably more by luck than judgment, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a that's a fair enough point. Do you Jay? Do you think that? that to some degree will feel like a win to, to certainly the Bolton younger players I think given um, they've held a, a very good Coventry side let's, let's admit that to a nil-nil draw okay there might have been luck involved we, we obviously weren't at the game 
Um, do, you, do you think that that will make those Bolton young players feel 10 feet tall, essentially, given that they've held a, a good opposition to a nil-nil draw in you know, difficult circumstances? Yeah, definitely. And um, what I would say about this whole Bolton situation is, you know, the one positive is this, it, this will be uh, a great experience for the careers of sort of these young players. You know, they'll, they'll look back on this as a, as a real excellent learning experience, even if it's probably the expense of, you know, the, the football club at the moment in terms of, the, you know, that's not really a winning team. But, you know, this will massively help those players. And again, um, they've clearly got some talented young players because to be able to get you know a, a nil-nil draw, uh, a clean sheet against you know a decent-looking Coventry side. I know we we talked a little bit about their signings and obviously Mark Robbins as a manager and you know preseason expectations probably mid to top half of the table you'd probably expect to see them in so a decent point. Um, and yeah, I mean it will be you know excellent for these careers. You know, I, I look back at sort of Leighton Orient when they went through a similar situation in League Two. They had to field the youth team and a lot of those players that they used and now playing at a higher level like Josh Caroma I think is at Huddersfield I think one of them went to Norwich and you know it, you know it wouldn't surprise me to see a few of these Bolton players picked up um or if Bolton can get their act together actually become first team regulars um in sort of the coming seasons so yeah I mean it, they're sort of just doing what they can really Bolton at the moment aren't they just try to get by um until there's a resolution <laughs> off the pitch um regarding the ownership uh, situation because as, as long as that's going on um, there's really you know, no sign of any wins or any sort of huge positivity on the pitch. Um, that just needs to be sorted. I think there's there might be some sort of court case today, so hopefully there's some news on that front um, and some positive one, uh, positive news as well, because let's be honest, Bolton have not had a lot to shout about over this summer or the last sort of 12 months, really. So it'll be, uh, you know, they'll be praying for some good news and hopefully they can um, get taken over and they can start building for the future again. But, um, yeah, I mean, a proud day for Bolton Wanderers on Saturday. Let's be honest, with the team they had out, that's probably one of their best results in uh, in recent history. Yeah, they're very, very good points about what you say about uh, Bolton young, Bolton's youngsters, of course, in the sense that they might even get potentially moves sort of further down the line if obviously they do get more first-team uh, opportunities. Uh, a little quick word on Coventry. Inconsistency played a part um, in them missing out in the playoffs last season. Um, I saw a tweet from a Coventry fan that said um, it's the most Coventry thing ever to draw nil-nil with Bolton, given their obviously obviously their problems. Do you think, Alex, that if they are to be successful and go one better, they need to get out of this cycle of being inconsistent? Do you think that that's what's holding them back? Um, yeah, I suppose so. Really, it's um. I would strangely, I wouldn't actually be too disheartened at not being able to break down this Bolton size. It's probably like a thing, a case of them putting ten men behind the ball, and you've got to just try and play it out and get them and um, make chances around that, which is never easy. Although they did have three disallowed goals, so it, it could have easily been a tale of um, a different story on a different day. It's more the sort of the games that like when Coventry sort of play the teams like maybe like Blackpool. Um, MK Dons, like the, the top teams to be finishing in around there, probably the game to be more concerned about, like if they um didn't really pick up points and rather than the teams who are going to be right at the bottom of the table, because I think Coventry will definitely at least be in the top half this season. It's just whether they can um just manage to get the results against the sides who are in and around them, which obviously is so big when you are determining um who finishes where in the league. And I quite, I really do like Mark Robbins as a manager. I think every every single transfer window he seems to recruit quite well. 
he brings in um, exactly what um, Coventry are looking for. One sign that completely sticks out to me is Carl McFadden. He secured his services so early into the window. I'm sure he beat off quite a few other clubs for it. And he's the sort of manager who, under let's face it, very tough, very tough circumstances at Coventry. He gets the best out of what he's got. He's um, quite tactically clued up for the level, and I've, I think he's um, going to be key if Coventry can go one better and get into the playoffs this this season. Joe, do you agree with what Alex has said, or do you think slightly differently? No, I think Coventry. Yeah, I mean, it's all about it's all about consistency, anyway, isn't it? When whenever you're looking to to get up there and push towards the top six or whatnot, you've always got to be consistent. And yeah, that is a missed opportunity on Saturday, no doubt. And I still believe, though, I, I agree, you know, that Mark Robbins is the best person for the job. I think they've got a decent-looking squad. They'll probably be in and around top 10, 11, I'm guessing. Um, maybe knock on the door of the playoffs, maybe just outside, I'm not sure. But, yeah, given the circumstances for them, obviously, um, playing away from Coventry and all the ownership situation, you know, Bolton will know all about that. But, you know, all, all, all of that stuff, you know, he's doing a fine job. So, yeah, probably feel a bit frustrated after Saturday, but... I think Coventry will, will probably have a decent season, probably about as good as they could hope for, really. Yeah, I do think that they are on course for another decent season. But we're going to move away from that now and talk about the three sides who have 100% records in the division in Fleetwood, Blackpool and Lincoln, uh, all northern sides as well. Um, the big thing that I want to, to, to say to you two is who's been the most impressive. But I'm going to start off by saying I think out of the three, probably Blackpool. Um, okay, I did see them on the opening day, yes. Um, that isn't the reason. I think, obviously, given what happened in the summer, the new manager, the new owner, I think, and all the fans really, for the first time in a long time, backing um, this team. Um, feel good atmosphere, you know, whilst Barry and Bolton are, are having these problems, Blackpool's fans, you know, feel like they're on cloud nine, aren't they? Playing great football. Um, the players they've brought in, you know, by the sounds of it, have been very good so far in the early impact. Um, they've scored, you know, five goals in, in two games and have shown, you know, really good potency in front of goal. Um, they've been very dominant, very commanding and in control of their games. And I think that's why they have stood out. And I think for me, the, the, the big thing is the manager. He just knows this level very well. And, you know, given, given how he had quite a short space of time, you know, he sort of arrived just as pre-season started or was just about to kick off. For him to do that inside two games, OK, yes, it is two games. I do think that that is very impressive. Joe, who do you think out of the three has been the most impressive for you and why? Well, it's difficult to say after two games, but I mean, I'll, I'll, a quick point on Blackpool is that actually their business um, in, the, in the summer, sort of the window still open, but the business they made so far, has been really impressive going forward. I think yeah. Sully Kaikai and uh, Joe Nuttall who have got in. Um, Kaikai's 23, Nuttall's 22. You imagine um, that they will have good resale value. They will, I think Nuttall will score goals. They've got Ryan Hardy as well, um, who they brought in. Another young striker from Rangers. Like These are young, hungry players they're bringing in. I like the business they've done. Um, and yeah, I think they've been massively impressive. And with Grayson at the helm, it's hardly any surprise they've made a, a pretty roaring start to the season. Um just side point though, I, have you seen the red card on Saturday for that Blackpool player? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what an, I, that is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen any football. The linesman didn't even flag for a foul. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> right in front of um, yeah, that was. I just thought I just thought I'd mention that while we're on Blackpool because that is literally the stupidest thing I've probably seen any footballer do. But yeah, um, Blackpool, yeah, they've been impressive. Uh, Lincoln as well. Lincoln, you know, 
they just cannot stop winning um, football matches. And I think once you get into that groove, really, of just winning uh, regularly, they have for sort of the last three seasons, really. Um, they'll see one promotion from the National League, got into the playoffs, then one promotion. They've sort of just been on a winning run for three seasons. Um, and they're just not breaking out of that habit, in, you know, despite going up into the third tier. They've won the first two games. I think they're starting to change their style of football slightly. Um, maybe it's a little bit more of a, uh, a gradual um, process, a gradual sort of... Um, sort of evolution really towards this point um, into a little bit more creative uh, with players like uh, Grant and Payne and Morel. Um, they're looking decent. So Fleetwood, I think we all um, sort of thought they might do quite well before the start of the season. We spoke about them quite a lot. And again, two games, two wins, uh, you know, we're, we're being proven right at this, at this point. Um, but yeah, Blackport for me um, and, and Lincoln certainly uh, could be two Surprise packages, I think, um, coming into this season, judging by their opening two games. Um, Alex, I'm going to ask you sort of two questions. Obviously, the question I asked you, who's been the most impressive so far? So, um, and why? And then the next question I'm going to ask is, do you think these three sides, who I think a lot of people predicted would be top half teams, um, maybe Fleetwood out of the three on paper before a ball was kicked to be the stronger, do you think now a lot of people... Um, have seen the way that these sides have played and given their good starts, do you think that maybe the expectations amongst some sports has just gone up a little bit and that they're going to do better than what they originally had them down to do? Yeah, that, that definitely, definitely. Um, it's not going to ha- harm any fans' confidence, is it, if you're um, the team you support's winning um, both well, their opening games? I also mean that as a, as, a, as a non-supporter of that club. So do you think that those expectations of of the non-supporting clubs of the three, do you think that their expectations have, have gone up and people think, well, I'm, I put them down a bit too low, I think they're going to finish higher than, than what they did. Sorry to interrupt you, by the way. Yeah, to be fair, I think, I, I for me on Lincoln, I, I didn't think Lincoln would finish inside the playoffs at all. And they're the team I've been most impressed with so far. Going away to Rotherham, which uh, they're, Rotherham on the side usually pick up most of their points at home at the, at the New York Arena. And they went there 1-2-0, very convincing performance. And I think Lincoln, that result alone, sort of like leading to me to believe that they could definitely finish in the playoffs this year. And to be honest, there's no reason why they can't even push any higher. But if you said to me now, as a, as a Wicked fan, who would I rather play against, Lincoln or a team like Sunderland or Peterborough? I'd, 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 the team I want to avoid out of those three right now would be Lincoln. I think they'd have a better chance of picking up a result against Sunderland or Peterborough, two of the teams more fancied to do well in the in the league than what Lincoln were. But I think Joe's actually spot on with what he said um, with um, how they've just been in this winning cycle for the last three years. And since Danny and Nicky Cowley have come in, I can't imagine there's been a team in England who have picked up more league points than um, than Lincoln. Every single year they've done, they've not had, a, they've not had a bad season. And it's not, and it, it's not a fluke either because they're they're punching well above their weight in every cup competition. Like you only have to look last night, for example. Yeah. They, they beat Huddersfield one 0 away from home. Like. That's just such a typical result which they've been getting under Danny Cowley. And I really think the sky's the limit for them, to be honest. I, I, I can't see this Lincoln trade slowing down anytime soon. I think the only time you potentially get worried is if, when eventually um, someone does come in for, for their managers. And I, I can't believe no one has so far because it, it, just, it's been absolutely revolutionary. And, and it's, it's not just um, the long ball sort of thing we've seen in League, league Two in the National League. Like now they've... Um, they, they're having they've had well, like, some, like over sixty percent possession of the opening day against Accrington, really passing them off the pitch. And Accrington are a sort of team who aren't really easy to play against either. They're sort of they press high, get in your faces. They work hard, fight for every ball. 
and Lincoln had just outclassed them in their first ever game, their first game back at this level. So I, I really think Lincoln are going to be one to watch this season, especially after the first two opening games. Very interesting points made as ever there between uh, us. I think something we can all agree on is the fact how Danny and Nicky Cowley are still there. It remains to be seen how they haven't gone to a, a bigger club as of yet. No disrespect to Lincoln, obviously, but they were linked with West Brom um, over a little part of the summer, just gone. Um, so, But then loyalty um, is dead in some cases in football, but certainly not in the Cowley brothers' case in staying at Lincoln. We're going to do something slightly different now. Um, on the League One Lowdown, something we don't actually usually do. Um, it's a, a few, it's just a little quiz. Uh, it's just five questions that Alex and Joe will face about League One so far and questions um, from the weekend. Um, uh, are you guys ready? Uh, no phones or no information at the ready. I'm just going to have to take your word um, for it. Um, so let's begin. Um, you get one answer each, so take, well, in some, you, you get one answer each from most of them. Some you might get two, um, but don't jump in. Um, obviously, as I said, um, you will only have just one sort of life or two lives just to answer the questions. Anyway, question one. Um, how many sides, not including Berry, haven't scored yet in the division? So give me a number. Me? Well, whoever, just jump in. I'm not asking. It's mm, I'm thinking. So, not including Barry, haven't played. So, like other sides yes. of Barry. Yeah. So, include excluding Barry. How many sides have scored? Haven't scored in League One yet. Two. I'll, I'll go. I'll two. go. I'll go. Uh, one. No, it's three. It's oh, I said three. Atkinson <laughs> and Bolton haven't yet scored in League One. So, nil nil at the moment. Um, which player scored the earliest goal of match day two? Earlier, oh, Cameron Brannigan. Which player? Um, I honestly, I've got no idea. Um, Can you give a name? Ne- oh, uh, Luke Garbutt. No, that's a good get. Both very good guesses. It was Usenu Cisse for Gillingham. Because they lost uh, two one at home to Burton at the weekend. As if, like, if I'm going to know that. Seven minutes. Well, Brannigan's goal was early, wasn't it? So I just thought it might, it might have been him. Okay, you can you, don't, don't please pick the question, master, because your knowledge is poor. So don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> five teams. Knowledge. I don't know. CC scored in seven minutes for Gillingham. Five teams. Five teams have four points. Can you name me two each, please? So. I'll read the question again. Five teams in the division have four points from two games. Um, I'm looking for you to name me two each. Oxford, Wickham, Wickham and Ipswich. So who did you say? You said Ipswich Wickham, and... Wickham and Oxford. And I said Wickham and Ipswich. Yeah, OK. Uh, that's they're, they're on there. Um, so you obviously get two apiece. Uh, five teams that have four points of Wickham, Coventry, Ipswich, Oxford and Rochdale um, to a lot of people's surprise. Based on minutes per goal, who is League One's top scorer? Could be Fred, actually. Uh, League One's top scorer. Are you, uh, you going to say on your dimmer, Alex? Yeah, I'm going to say on your dimmer. Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it is on your dimmer. Yeah, I'll go with that. No, it's Nathan Broadhead of Burton. He's got two goals 
uh, and he's got a goal minutes per ratio of 55 minutes. I mean, the fact that I'm on a League One podcast, I've never even heard of that guy. It's pretty damning, really, isn't it? Well, <laughs> 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 research does go um, some way to help you, Joe. Just saying. Um, last question. This is a quiz that really wasn't a really good idea for you two, but anyway. How many players have scored two goals from two games? So I'm looking... How many? A number. number, yeah. Just give me a number. How am I supposed to know this? Uh, we, are le- we are legal experts. We really should six. be. We really should be better. We should be either knowing this or this is really stupid questions. Um, four. Four. Joe says four. Who, what are you going to say, Alex? I'll say six. Oh, Alex, you're really unlucky. Seven. Yeah. Uh, just to be besides Kieran Sadlier, Ian Henderson, Nathan Broadhead, Luke Garber, Nathan Delfonso, Josh Morris, and Lyndon Gooch all have two goals. So um, that was two apiece. Um, that, was, that was rubbish. Well, <laughs> I blame the quiz master. Bring in Bradley Walsh say. for the next episode. I say, let's bring yeah, in Bradley get, Walsh or Alexander Alexander Armstrong for the next. Let's, get, let's next get Anne Hegarty on as well. See what she's got to say. <laughs> I'll give I'll give Richard Osman uh, a message and see <laughs> about next week. Right, so uh, let's move on. Let's move on from that and go on to the weekend predictions. Of course, this part of the show is where we look at the uh, standout fixtures of the weekend coming up, and we um, have a chat about how it could go and what our predictions are uh, going to be. So Sunderland versus Portsmouth, of course, is a game live on Sky Sports, and we're going to kick off um, at the. Stadium like Sunderland, of course, two one-one draws in their opening two games, and have um, so far been pretty unconvincing in those two games um, to an extent. Portsmouth, despite losing on the opening day, were two-nil uh, winners against Tranmere last weekend. Um, I'll start things off. I'm going to go with a Portsmouth win. I'm going to go two-one. Um, I can feel the atmosphere at the stadium a lot amongst the home supporters. A lot of tension. A lot of nerves, given that um, the two performances, as I said earlier, were quite unconvincing. Um, there's a lot of, you know, Joe's comment about Alex Ross, uh, Alex Ross, Jack Ross, Jack Ross, Ross. Um, was very much what a lot of Sunderland fans have agreed on. They do seem to have that same feeling. So I think that that viral sensation, me mate. Wow. <laughs> What can I, I say? 14,000 um, views on Twitter, mate. Come <laughs> at me. I'll just uh, don't t- t- and, uh, toot your own horn uh, there, Jen. Um, but as I was saying, I, I think Portsmouth are going to nick it. And I do honestly think that this could be the first real time we start to have the questions about is the sack looming um, for Jack Ross? Um, who wants to go first and say their prediction? Jump in with what you think. And well, I think we're both going to go for the same scoreline. I think we're both going to say 1-1. Yeah, Sunderland playing for one. Are we going to do a weekend <laughs> prediction if Sunderland are involved and nobody predicts a 1 1 draw? It'd be amazing. I think the world would end if that didn't happen. But no, honestly, um, well, to be fair, Sunderland playing is obviously going to be 1 1, isn't it? So that, that move on, really. 1 1. All right, the next game I'm going to go to, I'll go to Joe first. Obviously, Blackpool, as we talked about earlier, they've been fast out of the traps. Two wins from two against an Oxford side who have done very, very well themselves. Joe, first three games of the season, Sutherland, uh, Peterborough and Blackpool, um, three tough games to start with, but Oxford, a mm-hmm. lot of confidence, four points from two games. 
Um, how do you see the game going? Uh, I'm going to resist the urge to just predict a 7-0 Oxford win and actually do a sensible one. Um, I think it's going to be obviously a tough game. Obviously, Blackpool, as we mentioned, won, won the first two games. Um, decent side, good players, good manager. Uh, and obviously, the last time we went to Blackpool, from what I can remember anyway, um, actually, no, maybe, well, the last time I went, it was like an empty stadium. And now, with the ownership situation um, being resolved, and they're all back in the ground, and they're all back behind the team. So it'll be a really tough game, I think. Um I'll probably take a draw at this stage. Uh, I'll probably go I'll probably go 1-1 one, one for that one as well, actually. I think it'll be a tough game. But, you know, I feel confident. Like, we've got a decent side. Um, there might be a few injury worries. I think Fossu's a bit of a doubt. That might be a bit of a problem for us. But, um, no, I, th- I feel relatively confident we'll, we'll come away with something. Um, uh, yeah, I'll go 1-1. One, one. Alex, what are you thinking uh, about um, Black Bloxford? Yeah, I think it used to be another score draw. I'd say 2-2, two, two, though. I think it's going to be quite an entertaining game. Two sides who like to um, play fairly good attacking football going at it. And I think I think it will be 2 all. I think both both sides in good form, of course. And I, I, I think they'll cancel each other out. Both got quality. And I think, yeah, 2 all. Well, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Blackpool win. Sorry, Joe. Um, but it would not, honestly, it would not surprise me if Oxford did get a result there. I think they are obviously a lot better than what they were. And, Confidence is high and they are um, playing very, very well. The last game we're going to look at is Peterborough-Ipswich. Peterborough, of course, have started with two defeats um, in their league campaign. Ipswich, four points um, from their two games. Alex, you can kick things off with this one. Are you going to go with a draw for the third game running or are you going to go with a winner in this one? I'm going to go for a Peterborough win, I think. I think it's about time they actually... um... Got got a, got a good result on the board. They've had such a slow start, and I, I don't think um, it's which are really all that to be honest. Although the, the, I think they've got sold four thousand um, away tickets, which is a good, say it's a great effort from their supporters. Yeah, uh, but and they might even actually outnumber the Peterborough fans. I don't know how many they they, they get at home these days. But it's gonna, if they if it's which can get more tickets, there's probably a chance they could t- possibly equal the amount of fans that Peterborough have got there. But I think, just think it's more sort of like a trial and error sort of thing. Eventually, people are going to sort of like get a game right and they yeah. are going to beat a team. And, uh, and I think it'd be really good for their confidence if they did um, beat Ipswich, I'm going to say, 1-0 um, to Peterborough. I'm going to go with a draw. Uh, I'm going to go with 1-1. One, one. Um, Joe, are you going to go with an Ipswich win, a Peterborough win or a draw? Are we going to go with three different predictions or are you going to go 2-1? to one? I'm going to go with uh, with Alex on this one and say a Peterborough win because um, I, th- I think the pressure's on them. They need to get a result after they've lost three games, uh, first three games, yeah. obviously, in League and, uh, League and Cup. So they need to get a result. And also Ipswich, um, they're, uh, one of their star players in the first two games, and Luke Garbutt's, um out for the next month. He's picked up an injury, so that'll be a big blow for them. Um, so I'm, I am going to go for a Peterborough win at home. I'm going to go 2-1 to Peterborough. Well, as they say, time flies when you're having fun. But that's your lot for this week's podcast. Thanks, as always, to Joe and Alex for your opinions. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem, Bradley Walsh. I mean, Matt Owls. Yes, good. <laughs> yeah, cheers. I, I prefer <laughs> Richard Osmond, actually. <laughs> Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify uh, and the various platforms. Of course, it'll be out later on today. And give our Twitter page a follow uh, at the L1 Lowdown if you already haven't. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and bye for now.